everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Glory Cloud Podcast. My name is Zach. I'm the executive pastor of Exodus Church. Along here with Pastor Kyle. Hello. The lead pastor of Exodus <laughs> Church. And our expert of all things personality, Vinny Gerace. Hello. Yes. <laughs> so, uh, man, we've been working through many different personality types. Uh, I think we have three or f- no, four uh, completed thus far. Uh, but now, the rebel. The rebel. The rebel. Yeah. That's right. Everybody's favorite. Everybody's favorite. Everybody's Everybody favorite. likes the rebel, right. right? So. Absolutely. Who is this guy? All right. Well, let's start with the lens they're looking at the world through. Hmm. So we, we talked about the harmonizer looking through this set of warm emotions at the world. The, uh, the rebel is also looking at the world through a set of emotions, but they tend to be the joy-oriented hmm. emotions. So it's really strong like dislike reactions i really really like that i'm just, uh, i want that i'm excited about that um and then this the opposite reaction oh man i really don't like that i hate that it's ter- terrible it's it's very very positive or it's very very negative but it is a strong like dislike reaction so uh it's best to think of them as people connected to their sense of enjoyment or lack of enjoyment around something. So uh, they're kind of looking at this lens of enjoyment. They, they learn what gets people to react. So they're watching the reactions people have. Even from infancy, they're, they, they realize, hey, I make this sound and wave my arms around, and everybody gets really excited about that, and <laughs> I like that. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to do that again. And then you just keep doing it and do it and do it. So they, they focus their life around things that draw out a reaction from other people, how to create that reaction, the reactions that they like, the reactions that they don't like. Uh, and it's very oriented around their personal enjoyment or their lack of enjoyment. So that's kind of their lens. If you're living with a rebel, uh, you will notice that when they like something, their entire countenance lights up. Yeah. They're excited about it. Their face is bright. They Their voice is cheerful and energized. And when they don't like something, it is an overcast day. They're, they look despondent. They're whiny. They're complaining. They're definitely demonstrating in their visceral reactions their dislike of the situation. Yeah. And they have the power to do that for people around them as well. Actually, their expressions are so powerful that it affects your mood. Mm -hmm. Uh, But if you think about it, the other personality types really don't traffic in mood. I mean, that's not their currency of exchange. They're not trying to create a mood reaction. They might accidentally create one, but the rebel is trying to create this mood reaction. And so they, they get good at it. You know, things you do often, you get better at. Things you do less often, you won't get as good at. Mm -hmm. They're really good at it because they do it all the time. So they have that bright reaction to something that they like. And their their voice is energized and their face is energized. Their body motions are energized. And then you can't handle that level of energy or you want a little bit less reaction. So you underreact. Well, they're just going to see if they can't get you to react. And so they're inflaming your emotions and they're doing it with their actions and their mood and their tone. 
And yes, they can be very tiring and very exhausting people because they're they're either very, very up or they're very, very down. They're pulling your mood up or they're pushing your mood down because that's the currency of exchange is those strong like-dislike reactions and the moods that those things create. So if you're living with one, you have to learn to be in that energized moment when they are up and you have to learn how to create those moments and keep those moments happening. And when those negative moments happen, you need to know how to handle that and get them back to that uh, positive, upbeat, uh, relaxed state of mind. So, yeah, they can be, uh, they are the energy in your household. There's, they're definitely the energizer in your household. Yeah. So when, when you have a rebel in your household whose uh, mood is down, Yes. Right, and they want everybody else to be down with them. Right, yes. they are they are driving along the valley of the shadow of death, and <laughs> they want everybody to join them in their car. Well, uh, they, remember, they don't want you to feel down. Okay, they want to tell you that they feel down. They don't like that feeling. Mm-hmm. So, if you can make them feel up, uh, then you should do that. It'd be way easier for you in the long run, and way easier on them. But they need to learn to do that for themselves. They need to learn how to take themselves when they are very, very against something and negative and how to correct their attitude, uh, correct their emotional trajectory and make it more positive. But yes, when you, you were saying when you have somebody like that in your home uh, and they're going down and they're dragging everybody's mood with them because they're so powerfully attached to everybody right. on the mood level... Sometimes they get so far down that all they care about is that they're happier than you. So, you know, as long as we're all going down the toilet together, let's you go first. <laughs> That's the goal. <laughs> I get to go last. Right. You know. Right. So when you when you experience that, what would be the best reaction? Uh, because in the different personality types would respond differently. Oh right? yes. Whether it's mm-hmm. anger or frustration or annoyance or distance or whatever it might be. Uh, but what's the best way to redirect that rebel's uh, direction with the mood and try to begin to curve it back up? Right. So the first thing you got to do is you got to convey that you're okay, that you're not actually drawn into their mood. Uh, yeah. And then you got to communicate, hey, you and I, we're in this together. Right. So as, if we're in this together and I'm okay, even the logic within a rebel says, oh, I Maybe this isn't as bad as I thought. Maybe I can endure this. Gotcha. Because I'm with you and you're with me and you're not as upset as I am. So it somehow makes it easier for them to bear the weight of the terribleness of their reaction because they're very visceral people. So when they experience something, they experience it on an almost physical level, mm-hmm. a lot like the harmonizer. Mm-hmm. Only the harmonizer's emotions are toward the warmth and connection emotions. These are toward the joy, enjoyment emotions. And when their emotions go down, we talked about the how the harmonizer can flip from being very warm and compassionate to very angry and hateful very quickly. The rebel can also flip-flop from very, very happy and enjoying everything about the moment to I hate this and and, Mm -hmm. and I'm going to make you hate it and Mm -hmm. it's all bad. And when they realize that 
their connection to you actually does mean more to them than their personal enjoyment. It's their social enjoyment with you that matters because these are very social creatures. Yeah. Very externally influenced. Uh, So when you remain positive, you can draw them to your positivity. If you remain neutral, they're going to drag you into their negative mood. So, you know, the reaction in a thinker when that big emotion comes out of that rebel is to be balanced, to be even-tempered, you know. Uh, And then we use the scripture to justify that, you know, you mean even-tempered. That's kind of a goal, right? Uh, It's a characteristic of an elder, for goodness sakes, to be temperate. Mm. Temperate. So we, we try to teach that by showing no emotion. But all that does to that emotional person is make them get you to react. That Now their goal is to get you to react one way or the other because they can't perceive you until you react. Hmm. So what if you, went just, you just went ahead and gave them the reaction? Wow, that is really, that is really heartbreaking. Man, that is so frustrating. Go ahead and give them that reaction. Well, that makes them sense you, feel you. Okay, then they can now perceive you because they perceive through their reactions and they perceive your reactions. So you say, but you know, it's you and me against the the, the problem here. It's not you against me. Mm-hmm. All of a sudden, that relieves them of the need to drag you down with them. Mm-hmm. Because more than anything, they want to be connected to you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So to reassure them of that connection, that you are for them, not against Correct. them. Yes. And we can we can resolve this together. We yes. Can, we can Very much out. so. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's good. They really prize um, special connection, right? Yes. Like for them to know. To um, feel special. Yeah. I, I know that my, uh, my my oldest son, he, he always talks about either special memories that we've shared with him when he was younger Hey, remember when we mm-hmm. used to do this? Or now he doesn't remember it, but what he means is that he knows that you remember that and you recall that, and it's a good you have a good feeling about, about them uh, about them. Yes, in that memory. Yep. So my son will remind you know his mom uh, about a memory. Remember not that when he we has, did this. but yeah, but when we did this thing that you really enjoyed or that we really enjoyed together. So it's or he'll even just say, um, he even said to me, you know. Remember, I'm your first son. Like I'm, <laughs> I'm the one that made you a daddy. You know, like and he and he thinks right? I'm a. That's a special connection I have with yep. you. Um, something he prizes very highly. Yep. And you know, of course, if if you've got a different temperament, like uh, the persister, the only thing that makes you special is what you do. Mm-hmm. That this gets very very crosswise with the rebel. The rebel wants to be special to you. Because of a relational connection, a social relational connection. That's the other thing. You gotta remember this sense of being special isn't emotional. It's social. I'm the person you do this thing with. Mm-hmm. Okay, so I'm the person that you watch sci-fi movies with. I'm the person you go golfing with. I'm the person you go hunting with. And it's always wrapped around the event. So some people will say, well, what it is is that child just likes that event. You know, they just like that activity. No, that's actually not the case. They, they can't separate that activity from their relationship with you. 
What they want to do is they want to feel a social connection to you, a connection that is about doing something together. So when you have that kind of person, honestly, they're very easy to lead because all you have to do is create a thing that's your thing to do with them. Mm -hmm. And then every time you want to build them up, you just go do that thing with them. But you got to remember, it's not about warmth and a sense of touchy-feely or we're going to get in one another's emotional space because that would not work. It would freak them out. But to be in one's social space together, that's really important. So if you've got a, uh, you know, it's a pretty large demographic of people. It's 25% of North American population. No, I'm sorry. It's 20% of North American population. And that 20% is 60% female and 40% male. So there's a lot of males and a lot of females in this category. And they they got to have a thing that they do with you, you know. And that thing's going to change and morph over time. But they're going to remember you and feel connected to you and built up by you through this thing that they do. So when we talked about the harmonizers, I talked about some harmonizer friends that smoked meat. Well, a rebel would feel very much at home in that exact setting, Mm. except they're not going to share their deepest, darkest secrets with one another when they're sitting around and talk about things that really matter. They're going to be fun-loving and playful and spontaneous, and they're going to be joking around the whole time and having a lot of fun. But the activity binds them Mm -hmm. to other people. So let's say your spouse is a rebel or you've got a rebel child in your home. You've got to have that special thing that you do with that person that you do pretty much with them and nobody else. Okay. Uh, And when they're bent out of sorts, it's time to do that thing. Yeah. It's time to suggest that thing. You know, (laughs) you've got a, a rebel child and they're all bent out of shape because maybe you... They didn't do their homework and you got them, you know, you caught them and not doing their homework the way they should have been or something. And of course, uh, they don't feel a lot of guilt. So uh, I talked a little bit about this earlier. The guilt shame thing is also backwards. They, they do experience shame. They don't experience guilt. So how do you get them to understand that they're guilty? Mm-hmm. That this is a wrong thing and you're guilty of doing it is you actually have to get them to experience the social shame of it. And then all of a sudden they understand, ooh, that's that's not a good thing to do. Mm-hmm. But in our culture, we're, we're so averse to shame that because all the way shame is experienced by all the other personality types, we don't know how to do shame in a controlled fashion. It's like shame's either out of control, you're right. shameful to the point that no one should ever talk to you, or, you know, or we, we don't know how to do shame in a mild way. So how do you get the child to experience the shame of it socially, understand what the social impact of that is, and then all of a sudden they realize, oh, that's wrong. I don't want to do that. Okay? I, I don't want to lie. I don't want to cheat. I don't want to steal because people won't talk to me. People won't deal with me. Uh, we won't have good times together. People we won't, won't have, like me. People won't like me. Okay? And they won't do things. We, we won't be able to do things together. Mm-hmm. So 
you have this person in, in your home and you've developed this positive thing that you do with them and then they do something wrong, it's time to say, you know, hey, uh, why don't we you know, go, go out and do some gardening together? And they're totally twisted up, angry, fists clenched, elbows locked, heads all down, faces all screwed together, you know, and you say, let's go do gardening because that's our thing. That's what we do. And they will unwind in three heartbeats. No. Hmm. Because social connection is the thing that they want. Hmm. And you're offering it to them. Now, what if their anger is they're mad at you? Okay. Now, I don't want to do that. Oh, well, I guess I'll go do it with this person over here. Mm, that's hard for that rebel to swallow. All of a sudden, I'm not special. Not only that, you're giving my special thing to somebody else. That's a very hurtful thing to say. So you don't want to say that. You don't want to do that. It's, oh, wow, I was really looking forward to going and doing gardening with you, but I can see you're really mad at me. And you give them that reaction. Wow, that's too bad. I, I was really looking forward to that. And all of a sudden they realize, oh, I might have overstepped in my (coughs) frustration, you know. So anyway, when you have a rebel in your home, having that special thing, that's pretty important. Mm. Uh, Developing special moments, special memories. uh, And those memories are, again, they're not emotionally deep or impactful. It's more socially connected. Mm -hmm. Yeah. How would you encourage a parent... Um, that that really wants to have, let's say the parent is a, a rebel and their child is a, a persister, right? And the parent really wants to have that special thing, um, but the child doesn't seem all that interested in it. Mm-hmm. Um, I, oftentimes the parent will feel like, I'm failing as a parent, my, my child doesn't want to do this with me and so on. So understanding these personality types and how to relate to to kids and, and, and to parents and spouses and so on is so important. Um, but how, how would you encourage uh, an adult rebel who feels f- maybe uh, some disappointment that their kids don't want to have that special thing or that, that social connection isn't what they always dreamed it would be? Right. Well, I would tell that parent the same thing I would tell any parent. Uh, when you're inviting your child into something that is meaningful to you, you have to understand that that child's natural interpretation of that event might be quite a bit different than yours. Mm-hmm. And understanding that it might be different and it might come across to you as hurtful, uh, you need to be free to let them participate or let them not participate to the degree that they want to. And it really doesn't mean as much about you as you think. Right. It means a lot about who they are. It doesn't really mean that much about who you are. So, and your rebel parent always has to have their thing. Mm-hmm. You know, I've seen so many rebel parents and they all have to have their thing. Their thing is art or their thing is hunting or their thing is fishing or their, you know, they've always got this Social activity that is their thing to do. Throwing darts, okay? You know, do their kids have to get into it? No, they have to get into it. Do they want their kids to get into it? Sure they do, but 
they want their kids to enjoy it. So if their kids don't enjoy it, uh, they're disappointed. They, they have this sense that something's not right in the social connection they have with their kid. Or that's what they think. Yeah. Because, they're again, they're viewing the world through that lens of social connection. So what the thing they have to do is they have to remember, hey, look, I asked you to, in, to get into this. You're not into it. I need to be okay with that. Yeah. Right. Okay? You're going to be into something. Yeah. It's just not going to be this thing. So I need to let you be you. And honestly, that's kind of easy for most rebels to do because they want to be them. They want you to be you. Um, they want you to be happy being you. And they want to be left to be happy being themselves. Right. So it's usually a pretty easy thing to do. Yeah. But again, you will have that parent that really wants their kid to enjoy this thing with them. And yeah, that can be disappointing. Sure. And you've mentioned it before as far as a sign of maturity and particularly for parents, is to not have your psychological need have to be met by your kids. Right. Right? Like, that's not helpful. That's, that's not uh, healthy. That's not healthy. Absolutely. Uh, you should find ways to meet your psychological needs on your own, with God, with other adults who are in their adult minds, right. you know. Uh, but, yeah, drawing your psychological needs out of children is inherently unhealthy. Yeah. That's good. I want to come back. I want to circle back to something that you said earlier as far as the guilt and shame with the rebel. So the rebel has to experience shame first before they can understand guilt. Right. Um, Now, we live in a culture that that is a guilt-based culture. Right. And we are averse to shame. We We don't want to experience it. We don't want to taste it. We don't want to smell it. Right. Right. Shame is this thing that is like inherently evil for a lot of people. Right. So you're saying... That we actually have to help our rebel kids understand shame in order for them to learn a lesson or in order for them to grow and to mature. Right. Okay, uh, so help us understand how to do that. Okay, so first of all, we have to understand what shame is. Uh, when you do something that is unhealthy for you personally, for your social environment, um, for your life, uh, it would be unloving for you as a parent to let that behavior perpetuate itself in your child. Mm -hmm. The persister would come out and say, that is wrong. You should not do that. The thinker would say, that isn't smart. You should do this. Uh, It's very instructive and directive, and it's analytically given or intellectually given, and and they expect it to be intellectually received. The harmonizer is going to do the same thing, but they're going to say, wow, that's really hurtful, you, you hurt me, you hurt that person, you're being mean, you're being harsh. They're explaining the same principle of right and wrong, but they're just explaining it through the window of emotional impact. Yeah. So what does it look like to explain right and wrong through the window of social impact? Okay, people aren't going to like you, son. In fact, when you do that, I don't like you. Right. Okay, so this is, by definition, explaining shame. You should be ashamed of yourself, child. You have done something that is socially, makes you a pariah. It pushes you out. No one's going to want to talk to you. No one's going to want to be with you. Um, You're teaching right and wrong. You're teaching good and bad. 
but you're teaching it through the lens of social impact. Right. Right. But most parents, when you when they hear that they should say that to their kids, I mean, I have to tell my child that I don't like them. Right now. That sounds right. so mean. Mm-hmm. Right? That sounds so off. I love my child. When you do this, <laughs> I don't like you. Right. When you do this, I don't want to be around you. But is that not the social impact of mm-hmm. that action? Is it not true? Right. Right. You know, you have to pause and think to yourself, well, I really don't like when you do this. This is not befitting of you. This is not, you know, and I want people to like you. That's another thing, too. I want you to have friends. I want people to like you. But if you do that, not many people are going to want to be your friend. Now think about, you have to say these things, but you also have to convey I'm for you. Mm -hmm. So this is how I said it to my rebel. When you do this, people are not going to invite you to parties. They're they're not going to be wanting you to hang out with their son or their daughter, okay? They're not going to want, they're, they're going to say, stay away from that boy, okay? And I can protect you from that until you reach about the age of 13. See, because when you make mistakes, when you're under the age of 13, they look at me and say, that's a bad parent. Look, he let his child get away with that. Mm-hmm. But when you're over the age of 13, they turn and they look and say, that's a bad kid, So I can protect you for a while. And that protection is there so that you can learn these things. But if you don't learn them before you reach a certain age, then you're going to do them and you're going to receive judgment. And I don't want you to receive that judgment. But understand this. You're never going to receive that judgment from me. But you are going to receive it from other people. Right. That's good. I think Jordan Peterson talks about something in his book uh, when he talks about raising kids. He says, don't ever, this is not an exact quote, but don't ever raise your kids to be somebody that you don't like. Or like to be around. Or like to be around. Right? I think that is is really helpful, Mm -hmm. particularly with a rebel child. Yes. To be able to say, man, we want to raise our kids to be people that we are proud to be with and to be around. Um, and to be able to communicate, that might actually mean speaking in a way that seems very foreign and, and at times harsh or mean or whatever the right word would be. Uh, but to tell our, our kids, when you do this, I don't like you, is actually the most loving thing you can do for that child. Yes. Yeah. And, you know, uh, with all the other types, I, I've said one thing at the end just for that person to hear. Yeah. And here's what I would tell the rebel you are going to be tempted to believe that there is an enjoyment of life that comes through things uh, that don't sound very Christian or that aren't very Christian, in fact. Um, You're going to be tempted to pursue enjoyment and excitement around things that you should not enjoy. I can guarantee you that the persister pursues missions that are not Christ's mission that the thinker thinks thoughts that are not Christ's thoughts, that the harmonizer feels emotions that God himself would not feel. I can guarantee you that happens in everybody else. I can guarantee it will happen for you. You will pursue joy where you should not. But the greatest amount of joy will always be found in the things that are also loving, that are also true, that are also part of God's mission, that are also part of God's glory. That joy is as inseparable from the Christian life as truth Mm -hmm. or as righteousness. So 
indulge yourself in a true enjoyment of life by indulging yourself in the Christian life. Mm -hmm. And understand that things that come from outside the Christian life, eventually there's a price to pay when you indulge yourself in those types of enjoyment. Yeah, yeah. The joys of sin is fleeting. The joy of sin is fleeting. It leaves you thirsty for more. Yeah. And can and it never satisfies that thirst. And yet, the joy you receive in the Spirit from doing righteous things not only fills you up for today, but it makes you overflow. Mm-hmm.